Good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, even as we've been singing praise and giving you worship this morning, Father, we give you thanks that we can gather together this way. Lord, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will give us a thirst in our hearts and souls for your word, for your truth, Lord, that we will be inspired by your word and, by your word and your truth this morning. Father, just give us something to, 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 to change us. May not one of us this morning, Lord, leave this place without being filled by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to start with some movies, I think. Are we ready, Mr. Music? Okay, can we just kill the lights? Thanks. Up the whole place. The 
fist I don't feel so naked and stupid sitting in here day after day. Uh, Joe, if Jake should come in, would you tell him I had to go down to the hardware store to see the mayor? Have you seen my daddy? Now you get ready, because this is going to happen off fast. Huh? Huh? Austin, that's all right. You. Okay. There's actually a lot going on in that. Um, if ever you get a chance, that's from a movie called Support Your Local Sheriff. It's an all-time classic. <laughs> but there's, there's actually a lot happening there that applies to us. One thing that I've heard a lot over the years and just lately I've heard it pop up a few times where people have made the comment you know, referring to us as Christians and our walk with the Lord and the fact that sometimes we get things wrong and the comment usually goes something like, well, I'm just a rotten sinner and then they go on to explain why or what they've done, etc. So I really take exception to that because... I'm no longer, and neither are you, if you know Jesus Christ as your saviour, you are no longer a rotten sinner. You were, we all were. And it's good to have a humble attitude and it's good to recognise where we've come from and it's good to recognise what God has done for us. But if we know Jesus Christ as our saviour, we are no longer rotten sinners. We've been set free. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of Christ is is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He set us free. He set the captives free. We were under the curse of death. We were filthy sinners. Now we sometimes make mistakes. We still live in a corrupt world. We're still human beings and we still sometimes do the wrong thing. We sometimes commit sin. We're in the process of being made like Christ. So still sometimes we fall short. That doesn't make us dirty, rotten sinners. That makes us glorified saints who occasionally sin. That doesn't take us back and stick us under the condemnation that we were under once before. However, those thoughts, that attitude, if you like, is an area that Satan deals with us and so many times and he beats us and beats us with it. And in fact, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, will drag us back to jail and throw us in the cell and tell us that we have to stay there because we're dirty, rotten sinners. John chapter 8, verse 44 tells us, For you are the children of your father, the devil. That's not you, this is Jesus talking to the Jews. And you love to do the evil things he does. So he's telling us now about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Get this one thing this morning. 
Well, no, there's a whole bunch of get this one thing this morning. But this is the first. Get this. When the Satan, when the enemy tells you that you're not up to scratch, just remember that he is the liar and father of lies. It is a lie. You are up to scratch. It's like that prison. The, the sheriff, the, there's no bars on the prison. Okay, and for us, there is no longer any bars on the prison. Jesus tore the bars off without falling off the horse. <laughs> Jesus has torn the bars off, thrown them away, and led us out into what he came to give us, which John 10.10 10 tells us that he came to give us abundant life. And that's lived outside the cells. But Satan comes with his lies, with his accusations, with his condemnation and drags us back and throws us in the cell. Now it doesn't matter how many times he does that and if you can imagine that jail, if the sheriff throws you in the jail, what are you going to do? Walk out. Okay, there's, there's no bars. There's nothing to keep you there. It's the same. There is nothing to keep us in that jail. We've been set free. Jesus tore the bars off, threw them away and led us out into abundant life. But Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the liar and father of all lies, comes and says, you're a dirty sinner. That's why Jesus had to die. It's all your fault. And we live under guilt and condemnation. He just drags us back and throws us in the cell. But we know that Christ has set us free. But again, the father of lies tells us, you can't come out. See that line? You've got to stay in there. It's only the lies. It was the lies that the sheriff told poor old Joe Danby, who wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. But it was the lies that he told him that kept him there. He stayed in the prison. He stayed in the cell because he didn't want to be the next lot of blood on the floor that crossed the line. It wasn't blood, it was paint. I told you, it was not very bright. <laughs> but the thing is, it was a lie. First of all, he didn't have to stay there. Secondly, the line meant nothing. It was just a bit of chalk. And thirdly, the blood wasn't blood. And that is exactly what Satan the deceiver does to us. It might look real to us. It might sound real to us. It might even make sense to us. It might seem perfectly reasonable. But if it comes from Satan, it's a lie. And that lie and that deceit is designed to keep us in the cell. Because as long as we are in the cell, we are not having the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. After being in the cell for a while, you'll see that Joe ended up actually leaning on the cell bars and holding the pallet while the builder cemented in the bars. Joe actually helped him put the bars in. And that's what we do to ourselves when we continually listen to the liar, when we continually listen to those lies we just make that prison, that cell that he's thrown us into, stronger and stronger. Jesus came to set us free, tore the bars out, threw them away, said come out and live life abundantly. Satan comes along and says, you're not good enough, throws us back in the cell and we believe him. And we believe him so much that oftentimes the bars, the very bars that Jesus threw away, we start reinforcing, we put them back in. We adopt those attitudes that Satan puts in our head. We listen to society around us. We believe the lies and instead of living an abundant life outside the jail, 
We work really hard at cementing ourselves back in. And the tragedy of all that is that at the end, as we saw, Joe's dad and his two dimwit brothers came to rescue him and tried to pull the bars out and got absolutely nowhere. And Joe almost proudly says, yeah, well, that was too strong because I've helped put them in. I did a good job. And that just that is just so much like us sometimes. Sometimes the lies that the enemy has given us, the things that we've taken in are so entrenched that nobody is going to pull those bars down. In fact, we're even probably proud in a way that we can stand so hard. This is where a religious spirit comes from. This is what the Bible talks about when it refers to strongholds of the enemy in our life. And the tragedy of it is that it's the enemy's lie that starts it and it's our hard work and diligence that cements the bars back in because we work so hard at supporting and believing what the enemy has told us. And come the time when somebody tries to break us out of that cell, we're not going anywhere. We're not giving in. Joe sat there looking out the window at the back of the cell. He knew it was coming. He said, Pa, he was going to tell him. He said, Ah, that doesn't matter. Sure enough, saddles came off the horses. The bars didn't come out. And he said, Yeah, well, they're in there good. I put them there. That's us in so many different areas. That's us when, when Satan tells us we're not worthy and we start living our lives like that. When Satan says, you'll never be able to do that because you're too dumb. So we keep living our lives that way and we just keep cementing those bars in. When Satan says, you can't talk to that person because you haven't got anything worth saying. So we never share the gospel. We never talk to anybody. So we just keep cementing those bars in. When Satan says, you can't go, it doesn't matter what that Holy Spirit told you, you can't go and serve in that particular area because you haven't got the talents. You haven't got this. You haven't got that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Everything, every great blessing that God wants to pour out on us, every gift of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit has for us, Satan wants to take it away because he's come to steal, to cheat and destroy, to kill. And we keep listening. And we take it on board and we start to adjust our lives and we live our lives accordingly because we believe the lie. And we don't want to step back over that chalk line. And in some cases, just as Joe said, we try, we, we try to make ourselves feel better by putting the bars in because at least then it doesn't feel so stupid about not stepping over the line. We actually build up the enemy's lies. How much richer would our lives be if we worked so hard at reinforcing the truth that God has given us? How much richer would our lives be if not just if we, we didn't believe Satan, but if we put as much energy into breaking down those bars? How much richer would our lives be if we tore down the cells in the first place? Jesus came so that we might have life and have it abundantly, in great abundance, in richness, to the fullest, depending on which, uh, which uh, translation you're reading. 
God wants us to bless us. God wants to bless us with every good thing. And yet so often, instead of believing him and pursuing God for those things that he's promised us, we're busily working away, cementing the bars in. The truth is what we should be pursuing, not the lies. It should be the truth that changes our attitude. It should be the truth that dictates how we feel about things. It should be the truth that dictates the course we set for our daily lives. It should be the truth that dictates how we think about things, the attitudes that we adopt, the future that we look forward to, should be based on the truth. So what is that truth? Well, basically, I was going to read it for you, but it starts at Genesis 1 and finishes at the end of Revelation. So <laughs> we haven't got enough time. But there's just a couple of quick passages that I, that I want to share with you, which sort of brings all that into perspective. First of all, Reading from John chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son sets you free, you are truly free. The son hasn't just set us free. We are truly free. We are free indeed. We are absolutely free. Jesus Christ, the son, has set us free. Wiped away all the charges. All those things that justifiably should have had us in that cell and under condemnation. All those things in our lives that were, that were sin. Those things that separated us from God. Gone. There is no charges against us anymore. It's gone. The charges are dropped. Where we were guilty, the fines have been paid. The penalty has been paid. The cell bars have been ripped out and thrown away and we've been let out into the light, into abundant life. And anything short of that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And we need to reject that in our lives and believe the absolute truth that Jesus gives us. Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 1. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the first, uh, firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having, having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to run through that again. We're not going to read it. Well, I suppose I am going to read it all, but I just want to run through that again and perhaps paraphrase it because I really believe we need to get an understanding of this. And we could spend months and months. Romans and this chapter of Romans in particular has been pulled apart so many times and there's so many good books, commentaries, etc. on it. So I would recommend getting a hold of it and, and getting stuck into it. But this particular passage just, just really reaches out to me. Because this is the essence, not only of what Christ has done for us, but this is the answer to the, to the enemy's lies. This is the answer to the lies and the deceit of the evil one. And this is the empowerment that we have. This is the assurance that we have. This is life encapsulated in a few verses. Romans chapter 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If we know Christ is our saviour, there's nothing left for the enemy to condemn us over. End of story. Whatever lies Satan brings against you, end of story. Don't listen. There's no grounds for it. It's gone. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The charges that were brought against us in the first place, those sins that separated us from God, the penalty for those sins, the wages of sin is death, is eternal separation from God. Not anymore. It's been paid for. We're justified. So there's no condemnation. Okay, we're not going to be held accountable. And because we belong to him, we now have eternal life. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All things work together for good. Whatever is going on in our life, if we stick with God, we know that he is working out something great in our lives. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're not just ripped out of jail. We've been adopted into the family. We are brothers and sisters with Christ, the firstborn among, among many. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having, give, having, having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So we're not just put right. 
We as saints have been glorified. We are part of the family. We haven't just been pulled out of the mud and rescued. We've been pulled out of the mud, washed off, cleaned, sanitised, given flash clothes, brought into the house, sat at the right hand of the master and sitting at the table feasting. We've been glorified. We're not just rescued by the skin of our teeth. We are given life in abundance. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Speaks for itself. If God is for us, what's the point of even worrying about everybody else? What on earth can the enemy do against us? He's already cast down. He's already beaten. He's already destroyed. Who can be against us? There's a lot that would want to be against us. There's a lot that would resist God. The enemy is dying to bring us down. And what good will it do? None. He's already a defeated enemy. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That's that abundant life. God loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice Christ in order to bring us back into relationship with him. If he will go to that extent just to build the bridge, just to get us back in, a, in, um, in fellowship with him, how much more has he got for us? How much does God love us if he's willing to go to that extent? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. There is no accusation that can stick. God himself has given right standing with himself. God has made us clean. God has already declared, before the enemy can make any accusation, God has already declared us righteous and in right standing with him because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. So who dares accuse us? No one. Who then will condemn us? No one. We can't be condemned. There's no longer any charges against us. Torn up, thrown away, done with, dispensed with. Christ answered for all of those. There is no condemnation. No one can condemn us. Can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? And basically, all these next one, two, three, five verses talk about the extent of separation from God. How many things could possibly separate us from God? And the question is, can anything ever separate us from God? And the simple answer comes in, in verse 39. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us unless we take ourselves away and lock ourselves back in the cell and build the bars. The truth will set us free. The truth has set us free. Christ has set us free. There is no longer any charges, any justification. There's no condemnation. There's nothing that the enemy can bring against us that hasn't already been answered through Christ. We are set free and we are given life and we are given life abundantly and we sell it short because we listen to the enemy. And even that, even that, when in effect we make God to be a liar because we don't step out in faith with all the things that he's called us to do. God calls us to do this and we say, oh no God, I can't do that. I'm too weak, I'm too sinful, 
I'm too thick, I'm too noisy, I can't do this, I can't do that. Every excuse we come up with is a lie from the pit of hell. And every time we reject God's abundant life for us because we agree with the enemy, in effect we're calling God a liar. God has called us to that and we say no. If God calls us to that, he will equip us. One of my favourite sayings is, if it's his will, it's his bill. God will provide whatever is necessary. If it's his vision, it will be his provision. God will equip us with whatever is necessary. If we believe him, we will stay out of the cell and continue on the path that he set for us. If we believe the enemy, he will drag us back to that cell and then start working with us to construct the bars to keep us out of that abundant life. So in short, and just in closing, no power in the sky above or in earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. May that be the heart cry of our lives. May that define our lives. As we go from this place this morning, I just pray that every one of us steps out into that abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. That we break down the bars. That we reject the lies of the enemy. And we decide to walk in truth instead of deceit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time together, Lord. We thank you that when you bring us together this way, Father, we fellowship together. And especially, Father, we worship and praise you together. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to see the, the wiles of the enemy, Lord. Father, that you will give us discernment so that we see the lies, Lord. So that we perceive the deceit, the net that's cast before us, Lord, that we will see it and avoid it. Father, help us to always look to you. Father, help us always to listen to your truth. Father, guide us as we attempt to walk every day in your truth. Change our hearts, Lord, so that we seek the truth. Change our hearts, Lord, so that we thirst after your truth. Change our minds, Lord, so that we see the world around us according to your truth and that we set our course according to your precepts. Guide us as we leave this place, Lord. Speak to us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.